I mean, meow. I'm Kat, and you're in for a treat and not a trick. Straight out of the oven, it's Cinema Buns with another hot, fresh take on October films. Let's dig in. This is a spoiler-free episode. Rachel and I are going to be recommending the show Over the Garden Wall and telling you why you should watch it. Then we'll let you know that we're moving into a spoiler section where we review the show and discuss what we like about it. Now let's dig into the bun, hun. Meow, happy bun day. I hope you bunnies are enjoying many an October classic. I've made a really decent dent in my October watch list, so I am excited to recap that for y'all. But today, we are treating y'all to the best gift we have to give, the knowledge of Over the Garden Wall existing. Um, (laughs) If you've never seen it, allow us to sell it for you a bit. I'm joined by another lover of this great show, my friend Rachel in Colorado. Good morning, friend. Um, you are an Over the Garden Wall fan? So much. I seriously have been looking forward to recording this episode with you ever since you asked me. I, I, it's fun because, I, I mean, I've been on your podcast actually before, and I usually talk about my company on podcasts, and this is just such a whimsical and dear-to-my-heart thing to be talking about. So, super, super, super stoked. Yeah, you know, I've never met someone who's like, no, I don't like that show. <laughs> you know, so. which is interesting because... I'm sure there are tons of people who would watch it and wouldn't like it, but mm. I think people like us who love it mm. would only really like suggest it to people who we know are kind of like the right. Yeah, shit. I'd say the same thing could be said true of something like Nightmare Before Christmas. Totally. Yeah, like, it's very like cult classic y. It's spooky adjacent. So if you're yes. like only into, I don't know, Bambi, <laughs> this might not be your thing. <laughs> and yet it yeah, never sure. veers into the grotesque. But um, yeah. well, you did mention your business. So would you like to go ahead and just shout out your own podcast <laughs> and Instagram at the beginning? Because I wanted sure. to make sure I asked you that. Yeah. So I own Simple Switch, which is an e commerce company for ethical and sustainable shopping so if you're looking for a better place to buy gifts all the way down to everyday things like toilet paper that's where you should go instagram is at simple.switch and um yeah you can as kat mentioned we have a podcast too so if you're a big podcaster want to learn more about um kind of the economies of making a difference then you can join us at the simple switch podcast love it it. thanks for thanks for the shout out (laughs) yeah then people can find more of you totally so i'm gonna tell you what over the garden wall is people listening and then we'll let rachel say why you should watch it and then we'll get into a bit more of um what we love specifically about it so over the garden wall is a mini series it is available a lot of places i think i watched it on like cartoon network Mm-hmm. That's where I watch it too. But yeah. I think it's also on Hulu now, which is I exciting. I think so as well. So we watched it on this year. So it broadcasts, it's 10 episodes and they're like 10, 11 minutes each. And they broadcasted on Cartoon Network from November 3rd to November 7th in 2014. Patrick McHale, who was a writer and creative director on Adventure Time, he actually did an animated short in 2013 called Tome of... Tomb of the Tome of the Unknown, and uh, Cartoon Network had a short development program, and that's where that aired. And then they were like, "We like it, do more." So he did this. It has the voice talent of Elijah Wood, Melanie Linsky, Christopher Lloyd, uh, John Cleese, Tim Curry, and it won an Emmy for Outstanding Animated Program. So so good. I didn't know it won an Emmy. What a fun thing. Yeah, I know. I I found that out this morning. Well-deserved. Absolutely. That's what it is. Rachel, give a little more (laughs) 
why we love it. For sure, absolutely. Okay, I'm going to just, like, lay out my journey with Over the Garden Wall because I think that will help people, like, get about it. So I had a friend in college named Ben. He's still one of my best friends. He says that one of the greatest joys of his life, which I think is true for you and I also, but it's very true for Ben, is sharing things, especially, like, art that makes him happy with other people and then more recently he updated to say and when they grow to like it even more than I do then that's even better so he was the one who originally showed me we watched it on a laptop in his like fraternity bedroom so it was really like small and casual and spooky but since then we just finished our fourth year of watching it because we love it so so much and so this year I think laying out my experience with it this year shows just how absolutely delightful it is so we planned for like a week um we knew we wanted to watch it in october so that's one thing you should know is it's like the Mm -hmm. perfect fall it's a very autumnal show for sure absolutely for sure just the aesthetics and then the music was just like i've been listening to the soundtrack as i drive so beautiful but to set the stage for over the garden wall i brought like a spaghetti squash and tomatoes from my own garden to like make like a very fall moody you know like have some wine and apple cider and things like that and I was like bursting with excitement to watch it again this year I think the reason why you guys want to watch it is because it is just lousy with metaphors (laughs) which I, I mean to say there are so many amazing metaphors in it animation is just so beautiful and super unique style it makes sense that it shares a producer with Adventure Time, but I've actually never watched that show, but it has a very similar, I don't know, illustration style, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's easy to watch through. You know, it's not like some, you could watch it in one night. I almost always do. And then you'll get to talk to me and Kat about how much you like it and all your fan mm-hmm. theories and everything. So I don't know. I just, I'm like bursting with literal physical excitement because um, I like it that much. I think to touch on the excitement that you're talking about, it might be something to do with the fact that this is such an all-ages show. Like, mm, yeah. anyone can watch it and get something different from it. And it's Definitely. hard as an adult to find something very, like, pure childhood essence that you feel that totally. kind of joy over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there, and when there's still so much depth. Because some things are like, oh, this reminds me of my childhood because it's, cause it's kiddish. But rather, this one has so much, like beauty and purity and innocence while also there's like so many you know kind of dark themes I I tend to really like art that kind of has a darker side and a lot of depth so that's one of the reasons I like it and then also I think for a lot of us who watch it it sounds like you're definitely this way it's become a tradition so it's Mm -hmm. really sweet to have it be like ooh, I'm (laughs) I'm not a big autumn fan to be honest um, I really, really love summer, so this always feels like a time of grieving for me. So Over the Garden Wall has become one of those kind of traditions that helps me kind of transition into fall. Cause it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's definitely like a day we look forward to, the Over the Garden Wall day, which yeah. I'll touch right yeah. back on. But as far as like feeling like a little kid again, I was just thinking one of the movies we just watched for our October list was I've never seen the original The Witches based on the Roald Dahl book which I know they're doing Ooh, a new one I haven't of. seen it either yeah you know it's Jim Henson Studios and that was the strongest part of it was like oh my gosh the Muppet style but other than that the whole time I was watching it I was like I really would have enjoyed this more if I were a kid and that's mm, a yeah. disappointing thing to be like I think I missed out on my window for like mm. connecting to this totally and whereas something like this I watched 
as an adult, obviously, and I still am like, oh my gosh, any age I would enjoy this. But I don't feel Definitely. like I'm not in on the club the way that some kid mm-hmm. things are. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, it was only made in, like, 2014, right? So mm-hmm. we definitely didn't miss anything. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes when I watch, like, kid things, I'm like, I don't know. What did I just... I just watched James and the Giant Peach again, which oh, I've always yeah. I've always liked, but I, I don't, like, love it. I, I, I always want to like it more than I do, I guess. Definitely, yeah. Sometimes you really do have to have those childhood memories with stuff like that for them to yeah, and I as much as they could. I think I watch it nostalgically because I'm like, oh, I remember watch. I remember going to the theater and watching this. But then, like, mm, my yeah. wife didn't grow up watching it, and she was kind of like, huh, what was that? And I was like, <laughs> they get in a large peach and they sail across the ocean. What's confusing? Yeah, um, I have really good memories of that book, so I wonder yeah. if I. I have watched the movie, but not for a long time, so maybe I'll watch it and see if it... But I feel that way about Hocus Pocus, what you're talking mm-hmm. about, because so many people grew up watching that, and that was kind of like a fun movie that they were like in love with as a kid, and I really liked it. I watched it for the first year, first time last year, which I've been told is, you know, insane or something. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it, but I don't think I have the full love of it that people do, because it's something that they connected with as a kid. Sure. Yeah, and I I think that's what we're trying to get at is we appreciate that Over the Garden Wall is not like that. I mean, I do <laughs> wish I'd grown up with it, that it had existed yeah. in the 90s, but as an adult, I've connected with it so strongly, and I'm sure in the future my children will as well. And I, totally. I think part of that, other than the story itself, is the art aspect, which is, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say that it's like half of the fun of it, but the art is so old-timey and beautiful. Yeah. So I have it's this... super diverse. Like, oh, the, yeah. the guy that introduced it to me, his um, younger brother, who is also a friend of mine, is like a graduated art student professional artist and so the fact I don't know he really also loves it and talks about you know this is like there's some episodes that are very 40s style or like some really Victorian era illustrations and Mm -hmm. some that's like just gorgeous nature shots and some really interesting animal play and so yeah I think the art is like I I love Garden the Wall over the Garden Wall obviously as you've heard but it's it's not just because of my love for it that it's one of the few things I would consider getting as a tattoo. Just because it's so pretty. It is so pretty. Well, and part of it is kind of that Adventure Time cartoony style that would really turn <laughs> off someone like my mom who doesn't like cartoons. Yeah. But most of it is this, like, vintage postcard look. Yes, like, exactly. That's and such it, a good way to say it. Well, and I have this book in front of me that's Art of Over the Garden Wall, and I wanted to oh, read yeah. this real quick. They were talking about, like, where their inspiration came from and a lot of their inspiration I mean because a lot of it looks like the title cards from silent movies Uh, it's like that art deco kind of 1920s thing but they were saying that it's the painterly lineage of the Hudson River School Gustave Doré Edward Lear Jose Guadalupe Posado so if that means anything to you but that they were looking at Victorian chromolithography magic lantern slides and photographs of New England foliage and so like you were saying about um it's not necessarily even like a Halloween movie. It's just autumnal. And I think it's because a lot of the color scheme is gray, orange, but it's not like dark. It just has that sort of like orangey filter about it. Where totally. It's, yeah. And it, th- th- I think it's that adds to the. Colorful. Yeah, but that adds to like the old timiness. 
But that kind of is fun in contrast to a very vividly bright character like Gregory. So the story is about Gregory and Wart and their two brothers and they're sort of lost in the woods and each episode is kind of them coming to a different part of the woods or uh, journeying, trying to journey home. That's what I would say for recommending it. And then as far as like my Over the Garden Wall Day, every year my wife and I get really excited for Over the Garden Wall Day when we watch, oh, so the first time I ever watched it, I had been told at a party, this guy like kind of cornered me in the kitchen and was like, this is everything. And I literally, that was the first and last time I ever spoke to this guy, but he was so like possessed by it. Like he was just like, he had to tell me about this show. And I was like mesmerized. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. And I did. And I was like, wow, I get what that guy means. This was amazing. (laughs) Now we will be the kind of people who will see someone once at a party and then tell them. I have to tell them. It was just like very important. Yes. It was very important to him that I like just enjoy the beauty of this. And so I watched it and then I immediately called over um, Kim, who is now my wife, then my girlfriend. And I was like, like, we need to, I just watched this. I'll watch it again with you right here and now. And then we yeah. rewatched it the same day. And I was like, wasn't that everything? <laughs> but and I, did she love it as much as you did? Oh, my right gosh. Off the bat? Yeah. I mean, she and I have dressed up as Gregory and Gregory's frog for Halloween. Like, oh, my gosh. I we love, love it. And we dressed our lizard up as Wart. So we like. Oh, that is. That's so amazing. I knew that you guys dressed up, but I don't think you'd. Re- I realized that you dressed up Crawl. That's so great. Yeah, he had a little, the little red, like, dunce cap on and a little blue cape. <laughs> it was great. So good. We're, so we, I watched it just a few nights ago because I wanted to be fresh for this. Mm-hmm. I watched it with my boyfriend who lives with the aforementioned Ben, who mm-hmm. he and I have watched it for four years, and then their third roommate. And obviously this year, Halloween's going to be very different. You know, there's not really a place for us to wear a costume. Yeah. But I was saying that it, um, because, you know, we're all within the same bubble because I am there with them who live together. We were talking about the potential of dressing up as, like, the Lady Grey and Mr. Uncle. Uh, Uncle Endicott. Yes, Uncle Uncle Endicott. And we were talking about, like, all the various interesting couple costumes we could do, like, um, oh no! Who we really wanted to be was the teacher, and then Jimmy, um, her <laughs> Jimmy Brown, so, the no good Jimmy yeah. Brown. Like, this could be such a deep, deep group costume. You well, know, that's what's so great about the show. Dress up as various other characters. There's so many characters who seem so vivid and so strong, and they only appear for one episode. Like, yep. and I, I know that a lot of that has to do with like, oh, Tim Curry voiced this character or John Cleese, but I don't even think it's that. They just really establish these so such unique characters. Totally. And like, they do a really good job like is that getting to know the characters within those super short episodes. You know, yeah. you know everything you need to know about it. There's amazing character development. Well, and each episode has a song, which we'll touch on in a minute when we talk about which ones we like the best. But I guess for my Over the Garden Wall Day, we watch the whole thing, and sometimes we'll dress up in our costumes, but we also make sure that we have some form of potatoes and molasses which is from one of the episodes so (gasps) usually what we do is we do like hash browns and waffles with syrup oh amazing 
So we'll do some kind of potatoes and molasses-y thing, and we usually switch up what we do. Oh, no, I feel like I have to watch it again and do that because that's such a good idea. (laughs) It just is so fun, and breakfast food is comforting anyways. Um, Totally. Yeah. So that's our our rec. We we highly recommend. Honestly, I know I'm talking about a lot of October stuff this year, but if you only take one thing away from this month, please let it be this episode. Go watch it. Have fun. Um, it is a joy. So now we are going to talk a little bit more about like details of the show. So if you've not seen it, stop listening, but, um, pause listening and then go watch it and then come back and listen to the second half. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah. So (laughs) come back after you've, after you've heard it. I think for me, what's very endearing about the show is that, and this is kind of true of Adventure Time as well. And I've watched some Adventure Time, but not the whole thing, but I would say with Over the Garden Wall, it's so wholesome and when I say wholesome, I don't mean, like, censored or little kiddish or, like, boring. I just mean yeah. very pure. Like, any age can enjoy it. It's a very kind show. And I appreciate in Adventure Time that, like, Jake and Finn are kind to each other. And they still argue. And that's true of Wart and Greg. But that there's this, like, loving energy throughout the show. Um, yeah. And it has it definitely has intense moments. So if you have, like, a four-year-old, there are some moments where the beast is a little menacing. But I wouldn't say that it ever becomes, like, terrifying and it's not haunting. And it never veers towards being, like, grotesque. But for me, it's the best of, like, fun, spooky. And something else that I really enjoy, so now we're moving into spoilers, is I was shocked and really pleased with the theme of throughout this of like platonic love because I really thought my first view through that this was a love story between Wart and Beatrice I was like oh they're of course gonna end up together because that's what always happens you know it's um uh enforced heterosexuality norms that of course the characters are gonna end up together and I don't know whether she does or doesn't have a crush on him but I think she just gets to know them as people Wharton Gregory and decides not to turn them into Adelaide there's not like a love triangle of her Wart and Sarah like Wart likes Sarah and that's all right Beatrice is still his friend and I know that's like an odd thing to point out but with so many kids shows that like enforce not even kids shows just so many shows everything is romantic love sexual love and there's not like just friends especially not friends of opposite genders Mm -hmm. yeah you're right I think that's really interesting I haven't thought a lot about the specifically Beatrice and work characters like in that way but I remember thinking that the first time through as well like oh is this going to be something that they like fall in love and it's really sweet because I think it actually becomes a really like you're my obligation and now there's like brotherly love involved which is like so delightful yeah the relationship between Wart and Gregory the two brothers is so interesting I love when um the episode where he's at the inn singing his story uh Wart is like uh, he's my half brother because my mom married his dad, and then like <laughs> he yeah, explains yeah, yeah. the whole relationship. But before that, you're just like, oh, the annoying little brother. And I love what the woodsman tells Wart, where he's like, no, you're wrong. You're the older brother. You're responsible for him. Because a lot of times he's just like, oh, War- uh, Gregory's ruined everything again. Yeah. And the Gregory character, especially at the end, the last two episodes where they look back on 
what's really happening, like the real life uh, story of Wirt back in his hometown. And Wirt is so moody teenager and he's like, you're ruining everything. Stop trying to get me to join the band. And Gregory's like, oh, that'd be great because then you could be closer to Sarah. Like Gregory actually has the best ideas. Totally. (laughs) So deeply for Wirt. It's, yeah, but it's so like, oh, he's the annoying little brother. He's being crazy. Yeah. We quote this a lot, but my favorite quote that I say all the time is when I'm like, have you been listening to me at all? I've been over here saying, <laughs> Gregory has the best lines. Some of my other favorite Gregory lines are, um, ain't that just the way? Ain't that just the way? Yeah, I, try to, the I way. always try to quote that throughout the year and then generally forget it and then remember it again and quote it for you know, the next three months. I just love it. <laughs> I've got no sense, no sense at all. Um, <laughs> it's good. Who's who? Uh, who's your favorite character? I was thinking about because I really like a lot of them. I mean, they're all incredible, as we talked about. Um, and and like you said, they're all so much their own. I do really, really love the character arc of Beatrice, and so mm-hmm. I think she might be my favorite, like you know, main through character as far as obscure characters I just just like out of delight and less out of like a depth reason I just like love the teacher episode like the school (laughs) with the school children episode so much and so I think um that teacher and specifically like the gorilla boyfriend Jimmy um Mm -hmm. are like my favorites because I just think it's like the most funny like slapstick comedy going on in there that is just so fun to connect with (laughs) I know that it's kind of basic to say Gregory, but I think what I love about Gregory so much is, again, his childhood joy, but the fact that he's not, like, stupid. No, definitely. The show really rewards you for getting invested in him. Like, it's, he's, again, he's not just the annoying little brother. Like, he actually has pretty good ideas, and he does some crazy stuff, but the fact that he's that optimistic, and yet he sacrifices himself for work without thinking, and it's like, he's just a really delightful person who I strive to be. Like, he feels like my inner child a lot. And he also follows, like, the direct arc of the show, like, what I feel like is the heart and soul of, like, the through line of the plot, where it's, like, he's pretty unaffected by the way that work treats him, by, like, the circumstances they get themselves stuck in. And then kind of it it, um, takes, like, a darker turn when he does decide to, like, sacrifice himself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that kind of, like, mirrors what's happening with all the other characters as well. Like, he's he's kind of, like, the temperature check for, like, what's going on throughout the episode. But I actually think that I changed my mind about my favorite character, and this is going to sound bad, but I, like, really am so fascinated by the Beast. Yeah, he's an interesting force he's not just like because he's not even like physical he's just kind of this ghostly figure so i was reading some fan theories this week and like this is so this is kind of a new take for me but i loved it okay talking about the beast as um as opposed to like a physical being and like the lantern actually being something that's keeping him alive it was talking about the beast as simply and only a manifestation of like anger and resentment and Mm -hmm. um like grudge holding that the woodsman slash whoever else is carrying around so like if the woodsman isn't keeping the the lantern lit it's because he's like let go and like been able to like be at peace but the beast can kind of almost like sense that that manifestation is ending you know that the woodsman is like and so then when work comes in all resentful and bitter and angry that almost becomes like where that transfer potentially would be i think it fits really interestingly with my personal like overarching theory of the unknown being kind of like a 
death purgatory situation. I've read a lot and kind of talked a lot with people about each kind of city that they enter being a different idea of what the afterlife would be and a way that, you know, a different afterlife that they could enter if they chose and, like, stay. Um, Especially, like, Pottsfield mirroring Pottersfield where they would, like, put unknown bodies. And so the beast, I think, mirrors, mirrors that metaphor so intensely of, like, all these people who are they're fighting in the unknown have either found peace and that's why they're like in the town where they are or if they're kind of a traveler they're usually holding some sort of like resentment or like the woodsman talks about his like burden to bear you know so if they're in the woods they're more of this like wandering soul who hasn't kind of like mm-hmm. found their eternal peace yet so i just think that's so and i think the beast is gorgeous like he's one of the aesthetic pieces that i think is the most beautiful even though it's just you know black yeah he's a He's a creative, like, the the look of him as a villain is interesting. Because, again, he's not just a giant um, wolf or something. He's yeah. kind of like a ghost, but then he's got these antlers. But it's, what I appreciate is that the whole show is not about the Beast versus Wharton Greg. Totally, yeah. Like, and I, I really, the show is so smart. Like, it really trusts its audience to pay attention. You know, they don't feed Definitely. everything to you and it needs extra viewings because you go back and you go, oh, that's what that meant. I definitely have always been of the theory, which you're saying that this is like kind of a holding place. It's not necessarily like an afterlife. It's like a transition point. And we know that Greg and Wart have fallen into the river. And so I think they're kind of temporarily in this place to work out there ish with each other before going back but yeah it does have a lot of like the pot sealed people are like oh we we didn't weren't expecting you yet like it feels like in big fish that um that town where they're like oh it's too early for you to arrive yet Um, maybe i'll go watch big fish tonight there are a lot of i feel like um similarities between those two shows yeah they're both epic journeys yeah well the show even like the the intro and the outro of over the garden wall with the frog playing the piano those like match Mm -hmm. up and that tells you like everything that's going to happen yeah um but yeah that the beast is not the only reason things have gone wrong for Greg and Wart. Like, there's so much else going on on their journey. And I like the confusion about when the innkeeper, the lady, is like, he who holds the lantern is the beast. And then they get afraid that the woodsman is the beast. Like, kind of an uncertainty about who even is the villain. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it is a really smart ending that they don't have to, like, physically topple the beast. Wart just has to be like, no, I'm not going to hold resentment and anger, and I'm just going to forgive. And, like, that kind of letting go is kind of the ultimate way that he gets out of this pickle. For sure. And he has to, like, learn that all the way through. Yeah, oh, man, I just love what you... It sparked a whole new set of ideas for me of that woman who says, like, that uh, he who holds the lantern is the beast. I think that that... They have, they're like such a, that episode is potentially my favorite episode. I just think it's really interesting, this idea of like, everyone has to have their nailed down identity and like, you have to be something or you're nothing. Like you have to be someone specific or you're nobody. And I think that that fits really super easily into this idea that I see just in, you know, normal society of like, if people do bad things then they're bad people and that's like the end of the story. Right. But there is this like, I don't know that, that idea of, I think she's wrong when she says, you know, whoever carries lantern is the beast because the beast is a separate entity although it might be fueled by what's happening with that person like the woodsman then goes to give live this like beautiful happy life with his daughter and the beast is like vanquished because 
you know, he sets it down, and that's never who he truly was. It was just manifestation of, I don't know, I just think that's so interesting and gorgeous. Well, I think a lot of the show is people are not always who you label them to be. People can surprise you, and they can grow. And even, so that episode is about people being like, what's your story, Wirt? Are you the young lover? Are you the pilgrim? Like, they need a label from him. Are you the, because there's the butcher, the baker. Everyone has, like, a label, and that's their thing. Mm -hmm. And even something where Wirt is like, you know, leave the talking horse alone. He doesn't have to steal stuff. And then the talking horse is like, no, I want to steal stuff. (laughs) And it's like, oh, you don't expect him to, like, be like, no, I want to be a thief. Yeah, that sounds great. I almost almost said that that horse is my favorite character because he cracks me up. He's so funny. Um, You know, or the whole thing with Auntie Whispers, that episode, I love when Gregory's like, oh. For some reason, I thought that old lady was the people eater. <laughs> You're like, yeah, everyone did. That was the point of the episode. Um, yeah, that, oh man. And so, yeah. yeah. Like you said, it's just so smart and it doesn't give you anything with that in those moments where things are obvious. I love Gregory's just like, oh, I'm going to say exactly what's happening and what everyone's feeling in this moment. <laughs> Uh, I love when the tree falls and he's like, did I do that with my powers? (laughs) So you said that probably that is your favorite episode. Do you have a favorite like song that you like from the show? My favorite song from like the soundtrack as a whole is just the intro. I just think like Mm -hmm. I've been trying to learn it on piano and it's just so like spooky, but then transitions to this like beautiful folk in an old timey piano bar vibe. and It's just gorgeous. But potatoes and molasses is like, my favorite episode song because it is (laughs) just its very own thing and I have it stuck in my head all the time all throughout the end of every year because of this in fact I think I'm going to watch it again well, I have something delightful. conversation, I'm like, can't wait to see it again now. So. I have something delightful to share with you. I'll include a link for anyone who wants to listen along to this, but it's a rap remix of Potatoes and Molasses. Oh my gosh, My amazing. sister sent it to me, and it's Potatoes and Low Butts, basically. Think of another word for butts. <laughs> <laughs> so that good. sounds like molasses. And oh, man. It is... A hoot, and we always listen to it after we watch that episode. Um, so so that's like a special treat of the internet that I will share with everyone. Please, um, and if you ever find anything like that, like <laughs> fan art, fan theories, fan like spoofs, like I am so all about that. Or even if you find like an impeccab- impeccably done Halloween costume photo, like send those things along. I love them. Yeah, I, well, it's funny because honestly, my first watch through and my second watch through, I was like, what is this horrible potato song? Like, we hated it because the rest of the music is so. So good, like so, yeah. so, so good, and that song is like just ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, this is the worst song by far, obviously. And then it kind of became a joke that like it was so bad, it was so good. And so now, like, our internet is potatoes and molasses. And in case anyone wants to know the password, it's just ask us. Oh my god, <laughs> like so good. We want to name our future guinea pigs. We want one to be potatoes and one to be molasses, and we'll call them Poe and Mo. Um, oh my gosh, that is so cute. I'm so all about every <laughs> single part of this. I think my favorite song, it's hard because some of them are more of like an event and some of them are like background music. Yeah. But the song where I'm like, oh my gosh, like I need this soundtrack is definitely the one that the frog sings on the <laughs> boat when he sings the, oh, yeah. over the garden so wall song. Lovely. It is like his voice, finally, you get to hear it and... That was quality. My favorite episode, actually, is the second episode, Hard Times at the Husk and Bee, because 
it was like the first it's the first moment that I fell in love with the show because the first episode is cute and then the second episode I was like holy cow like I need to stop watching and have my girlfriend come over and watch this with me because it's so good and totally. I think I like what the, about the episode do you think made you feel like that um probably the old-timey fall feel of it because I have a hard time finding that feeling of like you're going trick-or-treating with your family like I love Halloween so much and it's not the scary movies it's not like it's not even the candy honestly it's just this feeling of like being with your family looking at fall leaves going to the pumpkin patch that more than anything else the going to the pumpkin patch feeling is so like in my heart and that episode was really fun to me that oh and also in that episode Gregory asks Beatrice what she likes to eat and she said she has to eat worms and he goes do you like waffles and she goes no and he goes ah how does anyone not like waffles (laughs) and so that's another reason why we eat waffles with molasses and the hash browns for Um, but I loved that again that episode is also people are not what you think you know it seems Mm -hmm. like it's going to kind of be scary like there's this very children of the corn thing that starts to happen and you're like holy cow this is kind of getting creepy and then you're like oh my gosh death is not so scary and that's a very comforting thought to me that like the skeletons you know wart is like oh my gosh we're digging our own graves and you think well this is getting really dark and then the skeletons come to life and they're like oh enoch he's back or you know whoever and they like yeah, this I, I actually made out loud when we were watching that episode this time said, I always feel like this is my favorite episode mm-hmm. until we get past this episode. So yeah. I'm like totally with you. It's one of my favorite aesthet- aesthetically, like just the way that the pumpkins and like all the straw and even when they're like digging in the fields, like it's beautiful. Yeah, it set the bar really high for me for the rest of the mm-hmm. show. And I was reading in my art book about how a lot of... Um, those gourds the drawings came to be because of um vintage halloween stuff and i just think it's a very comforting you know like i think if the episode had just been like skeletons in a town you would be like okay cool but the fact that you're kind of trying to figure out the mystery of like these are pumpkin people are they going to eat them like what is what's the deal it keeps almost turning sinister and then my one of my favorite lines is when Wirt is trying to stall and he's like well we were digging the holes but um they were filled with rocks you guys don't like rocks right and then the villagers are like no we don't like rocks tell us more about the rocks (laughs) tell us what happens with the rocks what about the rocks um but there's just this fun like May Day festival that kind of happens And I, I just think that set the bar so high that I really trusted wherever else this show went. Mm, yeah, I totally agree with you. And I love what you said about it makes death seem less sinister because it it almost mirrors the way that we feel about death being sinister the whole way through. And then at the end, he's like, well, you'll join us someday. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, it's just a natural thing. We're not going to trap you here. Like, death, that's nothing to be afraid of. You'll just come and join us someday and party here with us in the bar. <laughs> There's a Twilight Zone episode with Robert Redford where he portrays death and he's coming for this older lady and she's so scared because she's been afraid her whole life of death. And the fact that like death would appear in Robert Redford's body <laughs> is like very comforting to me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I trust him. Okay. But again, it's not like a horrifying thing and there's not like blood and guts and gore in this show but it doesn't shy away from having 
serious moments and topics that are, yeah, that are more than just, again, as much as I love a Disney classic, it's not just like, oh, going on a totally fun, cute adventure. It's kind of dealing through your stuff and Wart has to really learn to like get confident in himself before he can be there for Sarah. Cause you see how like anxious and neurotic he is, but also to like not push away the goodness and joy of something like the childlikeness of Gregory. Yeah. I love the show for all of those reasons. If I had to have a least favorite episode, the one that always bothers me is episode eight babes in, I think it's just called babes in the wood. And my friends, that's their favorite episode. And I think it's so weird. Yeah, it's this whole episode of just, like, Gregory visions, and it's too much. It's like only having dessert. You need some of Wart being poetic and musing and dark and, like, that balancing it out. So to only have weird, like, cotton candy sweetness of sugary, you know, we're the welcome committee. Like, it's totally too Wizard of Oz without any witch involved. <laughs> just yeah. like I do think the okay. artwork in that episode is really beautiful, but not in the same like, wow, this is gorgeous and makes me want to like feel it so deeply. It's just like, wow, they really like captured 40s art. But otherwise, I'm like, I think, that, and I think they make it uncomfortable on purpose for sure because it's like mm-hmm. they have that kind of lollipop guild like vibe with the first welcoming committees, and but they're like out of tune and out of beat and like out of all sorts of different things and you're kind of like ooh like this is this is definitely meant to like discomfort me you know which makes sense because that's like the the darkest part of the show you know where Gregory's getting you know covered with the tree and is being like lost and so it makes a lot of sense yeah, that it would be the least comfortable episode, so it's interesting juxtaposition, but I'm a, I agree, it's my least favorite. It feels like a Betty Boop cartoon or something. Yeah. You know, it has those exactly. old-timey cartoon feels. Yeah, it's just, it's this, like, drug trip of an episode where you're kind of like, this does not fit the rest of the show. And then right after that episode comes what's uh, arguably my next favorite episode, which is the looking back at like where they came from and it shows you Gregory and Wirt on Halloween evening back in their town and I love that episode because you're like oh my gosh they're wearing Halloween costumes that's yeah. why he has a like, pot on his head that's why they're dressed this uh, way. Ah, like it's so funny because the whole time you're just like okay that's how these people dress like you accept yeah. so much as just obvious mm-hmm. I have some of the comic books that are supposed to take place in between each episode that we see. And so that fills in some of the gaps of, like, why they left one place and came to the next place. So it has some fun little behind-the-scenes stuff. But I like details it points out, like, even the fact that Wart has two different color shoes... He has like a gray shoe and a black shoe. Like they're two okay, different shoes. I noticed shoes. that several times. This, this, and I kept saying, "Is he only wearing one shoe?" Yeah. And my friends were like, "No, he's wearing two shoes." And then it was just dismissed. So I'm glad you brought that up. Tell yeah. me, do you know things about why? Well, yeah, he was getting dressed in a hurry, and so he just grabbed two different shoes. So in the comic, Gregory says to Beatrice, he's like, Wart and I, Wart has two different color, it's like socks or shoes, I don't know what they are, but he's like, he has two different color shoes, I think I'm going to do the same thing. Everyone back home will call us the looking good boys. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Because he just left home in such a worry because he was thinking about Sarah. And so he's just throwing his costume together and wasn't thinking. But yeah, it has cute little moments like that where they kind of fill in some more of the background. But I do really enjoy, again, even the mo- the revelation where you're like, oh, the rock came from the garden that he took from the old old lady. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
Yes, sir, young man. There's just so many details where you're like, oh, if you'd been paying attention, even the first episode where Gregory is holding those different like sizes of wood around the house and is like, huh, yeah, like he's testing hitting the woodsman, but Wart's not paying any attention to him, and Wart is just like, I don't know, are we lost? What should we do? And then Gregory yeah. finally hits the woodsman, and he's like, I've been rehearsing this whole time, but you're not paying any attention to him, because people don't pay attention to kids, and that's what I think is so cool about the show, is like, it totally. rewards you for paying attention and realizing that, like, everybody has a narrative and a story going on, and to just dismiss someone until they're 18 is like, you're missing out. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because he is just, I don't know, he has all the, like, depth and emotional maturity that you want to see in the show, but word is lacking because of his bitterness. Yeah. Oh. And I, I think a lot of that is, like, don't grow up and become bitter. <laughs> don't be yeah. don't be a moody teenager. And don't, also, like, don't treat yourself like you're the worst person in the room. Because a lot, like, Wirt is invited to the party, and he's like, I was not invited here. And everyone's like, man, come join us. And also, the the joke that kills me that's so funny is how built up Jason Funderburker is. That he is stud of the century, like the total package. And then you meet Jason Funderburker, and it's like, wait, that's Jason Funderburger? Like... Yeah, and like he's he a tries dweeb. to hold Sarah's hand, and she's like, "No," and she's like, "It's okay." Like she's like comforting him because he's like clearly trying to hit on her, and she's not having it. She's like, "No, no, honey, no, no, no." But but in Wart's mind, he's like, "I can never compete with that guy." Yeah, and totally. he's not listening to the people who are like, "We want to have you around. We enjoy being with you, yeah. and you're invited to the party. Come hang out with us." So totally. and I feel like he learns a little bit of that, like through Beatrice, which yeah. is what I, I agree with you about, just like the the friend love, like the. Mm-hmm. platonic love going on in the story because he gets to like kind of understand some of that over the over the time period and well, then come back and be like you know what Sarah like let's do listen to that tape but also let's listen to a few tapes first <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but Beatrice challenges him and I think that's why he's able to like not just immediately fall in love with her and also she's totally. a bird but yeah. she's not like flattering she's, <laughs> she, she's not flattering him but she's also yeah. like you know why are you just doing everything you're told like and also i love the worry wort joke in his name yeah um but yeah i mean i think she pushes him especially in the schoolhouse episode where she's like you're just mindlessly doing what you're told and then um yeah it i think it causes him to be like do i just do what i'm told like he learns and grows from it totally it's so good every single detail about every single part is something that i love and like you said it it rewards you with something different every time and like it also i think reflects a lot like i watched it very differently in 2016 when i was a very different person and Mm -hmm. now i'm able to nostalgically look back on the reactions i had as that person but i also get to experience it in a whole new way because i am super different than it was four years ago yeah and i think that's the mark of like can something hold the test of time and obviously this Mm -hmm. only came out 2014 so we still have more time to go but something (laughs) that you can watch again and again and get new things because there's i I and i think that's my frustration with like something like tom and jerry like some of those looney tune cartoons i did not enjoy as a kid because i was like you can get up go get your chocolate milk come back and you didn't miss anything (laughs) it's just whereas this one is so dense with meaning and 
Yeah, you, you really are rewarded by pay, paying attention to the details. <laughs> but it's not totally difficult to understand. Like, I would think yeah. that a kid could pick up and say, oh, that's what the story was about. For sure. They would at least get the general themes, if nothing else. Yeah. I love it so much. I have, like, artwork that Kim ordered off of Etsy about the show. I have little stuffed animals from the show. I have, like, books about the show. It is just... Oh, my gosh. A delight. Yeah. As are you. So thank you for coming on today and talking to me about it. I feel exactly the same way about you, Kat. And this is just <laughs> a conversation I've been looking forward to so much. So thanks for inviting me. I was thrilled to be asked to be on your podcast again because I love you. I appreciate that. So for anyone else who is listening along, <laughs> I forgot there's listeners. <laughs> hey, everybody. Just love Rachel. I love talking to her. So um, anyone listening along, um, my friend Jojo, who I've known since high school, created this really beautiful artwork that I am going to have linked in the description. I'm also going to link her Instagram, her art Instagram, and it's going to be the photo that I use on Facebook when I promote this episode this week. Okay, here's a quick word from my friend, the artist, Jojo. Hey everyone, Jojo here. Over the Garden Wall is one of the most beautiful cartoons I have ever seen. It's a piece of art, really. I can't think of anything to compare it to, but the art direction and the storytelling are so amazing. All the characters are so unique, and you fall in love with all of them by the end of the series. My brother was actually the first one who told me about Over the Garden Wall. He had gone to a watch party at his friend's house and told me I needed to see it immediately. I was so curious that I ended up watching it while I was at work. (laughs) And honestly, the computer screen didn't do it justice. I was so enamored with it that after work, I promptly ran home and had to watch it all over again on my big TV screen. Now, every year at the beginning of October, my friends and I make all delicious fall food and we have our own watch parties to celebrate the beginning of the spooky season. My favorite episode that I look forward to watching every year is the School for Animals one. I always love it because the music, potatoes and molasses, who doesn't love that? (laughs) Plus all those little animals and their outfits are just too cute. The art that Kat so wonderfully is using for the title card of this episode, I drew in celebration of Inktober, and I actually drew it also while I was at a garden wall watch party at my friend's house while we were eating chili. If you guys are interested in seeing some more art or any other of my Inktober drawings that I'm doing, you can go to my Instagram page, which is Ipika, or I-P-P-I-K-A, and you can check me out on there, on Instagram, or on Twitter under I-P-P-I-K-A underscore. So pretty much Ipika across all social media platforms. Yeah, come and check me out. And I also want to thank Kat for having me on Cinema Buns, and I hope to talk to you all later. Have a good one. Rachel, I love you. This was a great chat. I hope everyone is either listening to this because they've watched the show or they're listening to this because they hadn't watched the show, heard this episode, watched the show, and then came back. Yes. Yay. That's my ideal. Actually, if anyone does that, please reach out to us and tell us because I like would love to know that we share it with someone. <laughs> I just want someone to be like, wasn't my cup of tea, not a big fan. And then we'll all yeah, be like, didn't like it. What? <laughs> what? Where do you find joy? Because I want to know. Okay, great. Well, we'll see you everyone next Monday. Meow.